He's right behind me. Uh, he has been here last night. We had a great co- coffee night. Uh, Ryan Baker came down, shared his specialty coffee materials with us. We had some good coffee. Great entertainment, but even more than entertainment, it was just a blessing from God as we were able to hear about what's going on with Jared and Will and Riverside Confession. And they are here with us today, and Jared is here. Will had to go back today, unfortunately, but Jared's here with us, and he's going to share uh, the worship time, the praise and worship time, the music time. As we just talked about in ABF, we know that worship is so much broader than just the time we come together to, to, to sing. But yet, he's going to be presenting that and helping us to, uh, to just to worship God today through his music. So he's going to be here in just a minute, and I'll turn it over to him. Before I do, one other announcement I want to make is this. Uh, they are looking to raise support. Uh, they are going out as not a band that's out there to make money, but a band that is out there to change lives for Jesus Christ. And if you want to contribute to them, a lot of you have already asked how you can do that. Simplest way to do it, if you're writing a check, is to write a check to the church. And then the church will combine all that and give one check to him as he leaves. So if you are interested in helping in any way, either do that or I'd also encourage you to talk to him directly and find out what you can do to, either, even if it's a monthly thing or something like that, how you can support him. So talk to him about that as well. So I'm not going to take too, much, too long to introduce him other than what I've already said. Uh, we're happy to have him here. He, uh, just a blessing every time he comes. So I'm just going to turn it on over to Jared and, hopefully, and I know we'll be blessed by worship this morning. So thanks. Thank you, Ken. My voice is still a little shot, so that's great. It's going to be good. We're going to do this first song actually sitting down. I would sit down, but it'd be awkward for me. Um, And then we'll all stand for the second song, if that's cool. How lovely is your dwelling place. Oh Lord Almighty, my soul it longs and even faints for you. For here my heart is satisfied within your presence. And I sing beneath the shadow of your wings. And better is one day in your courts, better is one day in your house, better is one day in your courts and thousands elsewhere. It better is one day in your courts. Better is one day in your house, better is one day in your courts, and thousands elsewhere, thousands elsewhere. One thing I ask, one thing I ask, and I would see, it's to see your beauty. To find you in the place your glory dwells. One thing I ask. There you go. Keep going, keep going. You're good. You guys are doing great. I messed up on that one. 
It's it's actually a beautiful thing. Let's let's jump right into the chorus because I, I sort of butchered that verse for us. Better is one day in your courts. Better is one day in your house. Better is one day in your courts than thousands elsewhere. Better is one day in your courts. Better is one day in your house. Better is one day in your thousands elsewhere. My heart and flesh. My heart and flesh cry out for you, the living God. Your spirit's water to my soul. I've tasted and I've seen. Come once again to me, I will draw near to you, I will draw near to you. Better is one day in your courts, better is one day in your house, better is one day in your courts and thousands elsewhere. Better is one day in your courts. Better is one day in your house. Better is one day in your courts and thousands elsewhere. And thousands elsewhere. Awesome. You can go ahead and stand with me now. That'd be awesome. Now, here's the thing. Brooke had it right. Because I told her last night, I'm not going to do that twice. But then I got to it and I went into it a second time. And realized halfway through. And by then I was just, my ADD kicked in and it was beautiful. So so good morning. I'm so glad to be here. I, I want to, before we sing this next song, I want to say this. It was so cool. How When were we here last, Ken? September. So in September, we had just finished our contract with our record label, New Vine. And had really been praying about what God had for us next. We decided that we were just going to kind of go off and, and seek to do another record and we didn't know how we were going to do that the next day we were here on sunday morning and that's when we met ian connor um and his lovely grandparents actually attend here and so we met ian and his friend jake next thing you know two months later we connected with them set up to record the record we've recorded the majority of it so that all happened as a result of this concert here so the next record small town revolution is going to be released um, hopefully, we're hoping to set that release concert up at this church so we can come here and celebrate that. So I just want to thank you guys for the love that you've always shown to us. And uh, every time that we've come, you've taken care of us. And, and really, not just emotionally and spiritually, but also physically and, and, and physically and financially have been a blessing to us um, in a time of, of great need when we came here last time as well. So I just want to thank you for that and and uh, just say we're excited for, for what God did here last time we were here. And we didn't expect that, you know. We just came and all of a sudden, here we go, you know. Small town revolution, right? Here we come. So thank you for your part in that. Let's sing this song. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name in the land of 
that is plentiful we streams of abundance flow blessing be your name blessing be your name when i'm found in the desert place who will walk Every blessing you pour out, I'll turn back to praise. And when the darkness closes in, Lord, still I will say, Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. Blessed be the name. be your name when the sun's shining down on me and the world's all as it should be blessed be your name blessed be your name when the road marks with suffering though there's pain in the offering blessed be your name every blessing you pour out I'll turn back to praise when the darkness closes in Lord still I will say blessed be the name of the Lord Blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your glorious name. Oh God, you give and take away. You give and take away. My heart will choose to say. Blessed be your name, blessed be the name of the Lord, blessed be your name, blessed be the name of the Lord, blessed be your glorious name. That worked out pretty good. You guys sing so awesome. I didn't know how that part was going to work out. But it worked out good. You guys, you guys rock at that. You give and take away. You give and take away. My heart will choose to say, Lord, blessed be your name. The splendor of the king, the cold in majesty, that all the earth rejoice, that all the earth rejoice. He wraps 
can stand or you can jump really you don't have to you, you can dance around the church if you want um, I'm confined to a microphone and you also don't want to see me dance that's uh it's an embarrassing thing this is I'm gonna skip the next song Rook, and we're gonna go right to listen to our hearts um You know, when we're kids, we're told that Jesus loves us. We're told that God is great. But it's a cool thing when you get to real, and, it, and it's not always a fun thing, but it's a cool thing when you get to experience that he really is who he says he is. For firsthand, you know. You don't know that God is truly a provider unless you need him to provide at some point in your life. You don't really know that God is a savior unless you really understand and have seen him save you and rescue you. You don't understand that God is the great forgiver unless you've 
understood what exactly he's forgiven you from. You don't understand that God truly loves you until you've been unlovable and known that he's, he's loved you through that. You don't know he's the healer until you've experienced his healing in your life. And none of us wants to need any of those things. There's an old song called Listen to Our Hearts. It goes like this. How do you explain? How do you describe a love that goes from east to west and runs as deep as it is wide? You know all our hopes Lord, you know all our fears And words cannot express the love we feel But we long for you to hear So listen to our hearts And hear our spirits sing A song of praise that flows From those you have redeemed And we will use the words we know To tell you what an awesome God you are Cause words are not enough To tell you of our love So listen to our hearts If words could fall like rain If words could fall like rain From these lips of mine if I had a thousand years, Lord, I would still run out of time. And if you listen to my heart, every beat would say, thank you for the life, thank you for the truth. Thank you for the way So listen to our hearts God hear our spirits sing A song of praise that flow From those you have redeemed and we will use the words we know to tell you what an awesome God you are. Because words are not enough to tell you of our love. So listen to our heart.
God, we just um, pray the prayer David prayed. He said, search me and know me. See if there's any anxious things inside of us, Lord. See if there's any evil way inside of us. You know our spirit. You know what we brought here with us. You know what's been going on in our lives. And Pray that you would listen to our hearts, the good and the bad, everything that's coming out, and you would, you would translate it for us. Amen. So I guess before, is it okay if I just really quick share one more thing? How, how, are we good time-wise? All right. So I'm going to put my guitar down. I'm narrating every step of the process here in case it seemed interesting to you. Wow, I need sleep, man. <clears throat> so I just really quick wanted to let you know some of what's going to be happening this year for us. For Will and I, and, and those of you that have never met us, hi. Um, if you're wondering who we are, we I went to school with Ken, and so because of our, you know, we're you know brothers, Davis College brothers, I guess. And uh, he has he had us come out uh, probably a year and a half, two years ago maybe, and uh, we fell in love with you as a church and just your hospitality for Will and I. So, anyways, long story short. This year, we, we've recorded a record because of meeting Ian and Jake here. Last time we were here, we've recorded the record. We still need to raise, we've raised just over $1,000, so that's a big thing, right? So round of applause for that, 1000 bucks Out of the $5,000 goal, we still do need to raise $4,000 to get the CD finished and then also to get it um, not just mastered, but the physical CD copies. That's about $2,000. So altogether, we need to raise about 4000 So I'm going to ask you to join us in prayer for that. I hate asking for that. But um, those of you that are here that, that have kind of asked me, you know, how are you guys doing, let us know. That is a need that we have. The other thing we're looking to do is this tour this year is called the Small Town Revolution Tour. And it's all about inspiring hope, and creating opportunity for change in small-town America. Going into literally areas of the community that they feel like, man, they're giving up. I don't know if you, you've seen that. But there's so many communities, especially in upstate New York, that, I don't know, they're just kind of like, well, people don't like the church, and the community is kind of weird. It's falling to the wayside. People are giving up. Businesses are giving up and shutting down. And we want to be able to go into those communities and bring hope. And that's what this next record's about. And um, we also are starting to get some connections to work with homeless communities across this country as well during the tour. So I have no idea how we're going to handle all of this stuff that's coming down the pike. Uh, God, I mean, obviously. But um, we do rely on missionary support. So what I would ask you to consider, we're represented by a ministry called ACT International. Um, they represent several ministries that do the same thing we do, traveling artists and musicians and preachers that travel the country and raise support. So we are represented by an organization now. That happened in the last couple of months. And so if you're interested in you know, giving a one-time gift today, that's great. But if you're, if you're here and you're like, you know what, I really appreciate the ministry. I feel called to give on a monthly basis. I just want to let you know that is possible. We can set that up. You can go online and give right through ACT. So they handle all the finances for us, and, and it's all taken care of through them. So if you're interested in that, please you know, see me afterwards.
we can connect. I can give you my info. We can connect online. Um, that being said, I didn't think that we would be able to still be doing what we're doing. And it still seems impossible to me. But um, isn't it cool how God, I was talking this morning, how God uses the weak things of the world? It's amazing. So thank you very much for your hospitality and love, Ken. And I did want to mention really quickly, um, I'd said earlier you could write a check out to this, the church. Make sure you put in the memo line. It's for uh, Jared or Riverside Confession. Either way, you write it down. We'll make sure it gets to the right person. Um, and, uh, and we will make sure that that money is distributed towards him and, and to use, use towards the cost of the CD um, as well as uh, the other cost that might. Uh, but I would definitely encourage you to talk to him. If you want to get involved monthly or if you want to um, really... Um, dive into the ministry with him and Will. Talk to him today before you leave. Yeah, kids, you're free to go to Children's Church and Toddle Time. All right, while the kids are heading out, why don't we just open right now with a, with a word of prayer. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for today, and I thank you for the blessing that you've provided so far already. Lord, I thank you for the blessing of having Jared here with us, and I thank you that you have brought him to us so that we can minister together. Lord, I pray right now that as you, um, as you speak to us through your word, that this would not just be an exercise of listening that we just forget as soon as we walk out the doors, but Lord, what you would have for us today would truly change us. Lord, I pray that your spirit would speak. I pray that I would get as far out of the way as I can, Lord, and that you would speak this morning. And I pray that that would be the case. And Lord, today we have an opportunity to look at the most fundamental thing and yet the most amazing thing that we can ever look at when we look at your word. And I pray that you would bless it. And I pray you'd be glorified as we talk about it today. And I pray for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, if, you, if you're in your bulletin, you guys will see that the uh, sermon notes are there. And uh, they look a little different. I want to start with a little different way of doing things than probably we've ever done before here. Uh, and you see... that. The, Today we're going to have a pop quiz. A lot of you haven't been in school in a long time, so I want to give you a pop quiz today. Um, and uh, I'll give you a few minutes, and I'll kind of talk, I guess, as you do this. Or some of you have already done it. And maybe you don't have a writing utensil, but I want you to at least think in your mind. I want you to think about this question. And the question that we want to answer today, and what I'm hoping that you'll be able to answer, either on the back of your notes or in your mind, is this simple question. Uh, and that is, what is the gospel? If someone were to ask you, what is the gospel, what would your response be? What would your response be? So go ahead and, and think that through. Write it down. Uh, I'll talk, but you don't have to listen so closely. Just uh, make sure that you're thinking this through. Uh, by the end of today, I'm hoping that this will be an easy answer. I'm hoping by the end of today that we will come together to understand the gospel. And you might be saying, well, let me just say this while you're, you're thinking and writing, because this is, I've been in this struggle this week of what to preach. Now, normally, I, because I only get to preach four or five times a year, I, I normally already have a plan. Like, I come into the week, and I'm like, all right, I've been thinking about this for like two months, and I'm ready to preach on this. And usually that happens, and that is amazing. This time around, I come into this week, and I, I honestly didn't know where to go. And, but for whatever reason, different things have been happening in my life, and I've been talking to different people, and I've been asking people different questions, and they've been asking me questions, and it all has started to revolve around this idea of what is the gospel, about the gospel message itself, and how lost the gospel message has been on many of us. 
And I kind of fought with myself this week. I actually fought with God, let's be honest. I said, you know what, the gospel, okay. So you want me to preach on the gospel? Well, I need to find a way to make it interesting, and I need to find a way to make this more than just, hey, I'm giving the gospel. Because honestly, there was a few months ago, I did a message on amazing grace, and I talked about the gospel then. And I thought, I can't just every time I preach, come up and preach the gospel. I mean, that's what are people going to think? They're going to be like, this guy knows nothing about theology. All he knows is the gospel. And what does he think he's doing? All right? So I'm, I'm, I'm fighting this battle, right? And I'm fighting this battle thinking, what will they think if I preach on the gospel again? Is it too shallow? Is it too weak? These are the questions that are going through my mind. Well, this week, God has brought me on a journey. And it didn't really come to completion until last night, I'll be honest. Uh, this journey, I, I studied out the gospel and I said, all right, I'm going to, you know, I did my clever stuff and I, I got three R words so I could do some alliteration, you know, and that's always fun for me to do. And uh, I thought everything out and I had the things laid out in my head. And I, I just realized throughout this week, though, and, and last night as I was able to, a uh, simple thing, I thought I was coming to a coffee house that we we're going to have some good food, some good coffee, and some good music. And all those things happened. But something else happened that I wasn't prepared for, and that is that the Spirit of God, I really believe, worked in my heart. There's no other way to say it other than to, he reminded me that the gospel may seem simple, that the gospel may seem overdone or overpreached, but it is the most fundamental, the most important thing that we as Christians understand. And when we forget the gospel, our life will fall apart. And so... I, with full confidence today, say God wants us to hear about the gospel today. If you want to look at me and think, well, that's a, that's a, that's a cop-out, yeah, go ahead, I don't care. God wants me to preach on the gospel, so that's what we're going to talk about today. And why did this even come about? Well, there's lots of reasons. I said there's been lots of things that have been coming up. I've been reading some books, and some questions have been coming up, and I've had some conversations with people where this question has been asked, what is the gospel? And uh, interesting thing, and, and there's videos online that, that talk about this, and there's statistics out there, and there's, the statistics are kind of all over the place. But what people are starting to figure out is that churches in America today really don't have a complete grasp of what the gospel is. You know, we're talking people who are, I believe, saved by the gospel. They have been saved by the good news of Jesus Christ. They are followers of Christ, and honestly, they're doing a lot of the right things in their life, but... When it push comes to shove and they're asked, what is the gospel? They may have accepted it, but they don't know how to share it. They don't know what it really means. And I'm afraid that a lot of us have, have even let it slip from our minds. We've kind of forgotten. Or we do view it as so basic that it's not as important as it really is. The gospel is the absolute foundation of all we believe. We can, we can be able to write a complete systematic theology book from memory. But if we don't have the gospel as our core, then all of it means nothing. It's just empty study because the gospel that has been presented to us is the greatest story ever told. That's been said, but it's so much more than a story. It's about God himself loving us enough to save us, to save us from wrath, to save us from sin that we don't deserve at all. I think a lot of us still can't get past the fact that somehow we think that we are saved because we deserve it. You might not say it, I might not say it, but I know there's times that I'm thinking that way. And I know that by the way I act. I start doing things on my own power. I start coming into a sermon and thinking, I need to craft a sermon that's going to be just right. It's going to have a good outline, it's going to have good alliteration, it's going to have the perfect illustrations. And if I don't have that, then I'm letting God down. Well, what am I doing? I'm basing everything I'm doing on performance. That is not the gospel. 
The gospel is the exact opposite, that we do nothing out of performance, that we can do nothing for God, nothing at all. We can't do anything for him. It's only through his work that he can do. So this morning I'm praying, and I've been praying since last night, that God today, as we look at his gospel, as we look at the good news to all mankind, that the spirit of God will move, the spirit of God will speak, as I prayed before, that I would absolutely get out of the way and that God would speak this morning. And that's what I'm asking, and I pray that you will ask the same thing. And I would actually ask you, just, to, just for one minute, and I, I haven't done this in a long time, but we're just at snow camp, and they do this at snow camp, and I think it's a great thing. Now that you've thought about the gospel, maybe you've written it down. We'll get back to that later. But I want everybody to bow your heads real quick, and I want you to pray a quick prayer. And this prayer is simply, God, whatever you would want for me to hear today, help me to hear it and help me to listen. Because hearing and listening is different. If you just pray that prayer, real quick. Whatever God you have for me today, help me to hear it and help me to listen. Ask him to do that for you. And I believe that as you've, we've done that, whether you are here today and you've been in this church for your whole life, in the church system your whole life, or maybe you've walked in for the first time today, that God has something for you today. God will speak to you through his word. So let's go ahead and get started. We're going to look at the gospel and here's what we're going to do. We're going to do three things. We're going to review the gospel, first of all. We're going to talk about what it is, what the story of the ages is all about, what God has done, and what, who we are, and who he is, and all those things. And we'll talk about that. We'll review the gospel, and then we're going to take some time, and we're going to say, all right, now that we've reviewed the gospel, and we know what it's all about, and we know what it is, how do we respond to the gospel? And I would submit to you today that this is not just, just, that part is not just for people who have never accepted it. That is for all of us to respond to the gospel, even if we've already accepted Christ as our Savior. And finally, and I think to kind of close it all up, and I think this is where it really comes down to the nitty-gritty for us as Christians, is not only do we know what the gospel is, not only do we know how to respond to it, but thirdly, that we know how to relay that message, that we know how to share that message with all of those around us. And as you've looked on your outline, you'll see that uh, we are focusing on one book of the Bible, and that is the book of Romans. So if you want to turn there, you can turn there. All the verses we're going to have today are from the book of Romans. You may have heard of the Romans Road. Well, I would say that today we're going down the Romans Highway, okay, because there's uh, a lot here. Um, the Romans Road usually uses three or four verses to share the gospel. We're going much more in depth here as we look at the book of Romans. So we're going on the Romans Highway to look and see what it is that the gospel is, and that's where we're going to start. The review of the gospel. And Romans, why did I choose Romans? Well, there's a couple reasons. First of all, I think Romans, if you read the book, and a lot of people say if you're, if you're new in your faith or you're, you're looking for something to read, you should start in the book of John. I would say this. Yes, the book of John is phenomenal. All the books of the Bible are phenomenal. However, I think, except there are a few really hard things to understand, when you are starting to get the grasp of your Christian life, Romans is the book that you need to read. Because Romans outlines everything that God has done. The first 11 chapters outline everything that God is doing and has done in history. And then you start in chapter 12 and all of a sudden it says, okay, now that you understand everything about what's happened, you understand the gospel, now that you understand all of this, now starting in chapter 12, now everything else is now how do you live in light of what you know? Because it's not just about what we know, it's about how we live. And this book really breaks that apart. And today we're going to spend most of our time looking at the first 11 chapters because we're talking about what the gospel is. Another reason that I've gone to Romans is because a few weeks ago, Pastor John preached on Romans chapter 1. And to preach on Romans chapter 1 is part of the series on homosexuality and how we should view that and, and how we should respond to that. The message came across very clearly and very loudly that from Romans chapter 1, it is not all about homosexuality. It is about sin. 
It is about the fact that all mankind is, as sinners are destined to, be compl- to run away from God. And then John very, very clearly said, through Romans 1, we see that there is a need, that there is a sin, that there is a problem, but that everyone has the opportunity for redemption. Everybody has the opportunity, whether it's the homosexual, whether it's the gossip, whether uh, it's the person sleeping around, or whether it's the person uh, that can't control their anger. There's all, all these different things, okay? But God, the gospel of Jesus Christ can save and redeem anyone from any background, no matter what they're facing. And so I think it's a good springboard to start. He talked about Romans chapter 1. We're going to hit it real quick today. And then we're going to springboard into the rest of Romans and see what the remedy then of Romans chapter 1 life, the sin that has so entangled this world, what is the remedy? So that's what we're going to do this morning. We are going to start in Romans chapter 1. We're specifically going to focus on verses 18 through 20. Romans chapter 1 verses 18 through 20. Um, And the first thing we're going to look at, the three components of the gospel message that I really want to get across, or that I think God gets across through his word, is if we're going to share the gospel, or if we need to know the gospel, if we want to respond to the gospel, we need, first of all, to know who God is. We need to understand God before we understand what he's done. That makes sense. So in Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 20, this is what we see. And it says this, For God's wrath is revealed from heaven against all godlessness and unrighteousness of people who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth, since what can be known about God is evident among them because God has shown it to them. From the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, that is, his eternal power and his divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood through what he has made. As a result, people are without excuse. Now, in verse 21, to go on one more. And for though they knew God, they did not glorify him as God or show gratitude. Instead, their thinking became nonsense and their senseless minds were darkened. And it goes on and it talks about the, what we would call the total depravity of mankind. The idea that, that uh, all man has sinned so terribly and they've gone against the God of the universe. So who is God out of this passage? Well, first of all, we see that God, and we hate to see this about God sometimes because we don't like to think about it this way, but first of all, we see that God is a God of wrath. And what does that mean? Well, God is a God of wrath in the sense that he has to be angry and wrathful and punish sin and evil. If he didn't, he wouldn't be a good God. If he did not have wrath, he would not be a good God. And you say, wait a minute, I thought God was all about love. Well, God is about love, but he's also got a whole lot of other attributes that sometimes we tend to neglect. And we see this right off the bat here in verse 18. For God's wrath is revealed against all godlessness and unrighteousness of the people. God's wrath is real because sin is real, because evil is real. I just saw a news a news. Uh, show 2020 uh, I think it was last week and they were they were interviewing a woman who was the mother of one of the boys who was one of the shooters in the Columbine shooting back how many years ever years ago it was and there was a lot of talk and it was a very interesting show but finally the interviewer looked at this woman who earlier had said that she taught her kids the Ten Commandments who said that she prayed for her kids daily and then this woman asked this question says do you believe in evil And the woman's response floored me. After saying that she believed in the Ten Commandments, that she prayed every day, her answer was, no, I don't believe in evil. And I'm like, wow, something's wrong there. Something's missing. There is evil in this world. The Bible says it. Sin has taken over this world, and evil is real. 
And if we had a God that just let that go and said, you know what, I don't care about evil, whatever, it's going to happen. I'll love him anyway, no matter what. God does love us, and that's why he gave us Christ, which we'll get to later. But he has to punish that. If we go to a judge and we've committed all these sorts of crimes, and we say to the judge, uh, you know, I've done all, these are the, these are the, the charges. This guy murdered 20 people, and he's raped women, and he's done this, and done that, and done this. And the judge just said, oh, you know what, okay, that's, that's how it is. I'm going to pardon him. We would be, outraged right and the same is true with god if god is a good god he must have wrath he must punish sin so we understand that god is a god of wrath and also in this passage we also see that god is creator god has created all that we see and he's revealed himself and this is an incredible idea that that god he could have just even though he's wrath he could have just said okay i'm going to just throw my wrath down on the earth and be done with them but instead, no, it says he's created the earth and that you can see his power and you can see his nature. You can see him. He wants to be accessible to us, even though we don't deserve it in any way, shape, or form. God wants to be accessible to us, and he is the creator that is also the accessible creator. It's amazing as we think about it. If we continue this process of thinking about who God is, we want to also go to chapter 2, verses 2 through 10. This is a little more lengthy passage, but let's look at it briefly. And this is kind of similar to what we just looked at, but it's a little bit different. It says, We know that God's judgment on those who do such things, talking about sin, is based on the truth. Do you really think that any one of you who judges those who do such things and yet do the same, that you will escape God's judgment? Or do you despise the riches of his kindness, his restraint, his patience, not recognizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? But because of the hardness of your unrepentant heart that you are storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment is revealed. In verse 6, he will repay each one according to his works. Eternal life to those who patiently doing good seek his glory, honor, and immortality. But wrath and indignation to those who are self-seeking and disobey the truth but are obeying unrighteousness, affliction, and distress for every human being who does evil, first to the Jew and to the Greek, but glory, honor, and peace for everyone who does good, first to the Jew and also to the Greek. There is no favoritism with God. We look at that passage and what do we see about who God is? God is a just God. It goes along with his wrath. Once again, a just God has to punish unrighteousness. But yet in the midst of his justice, and this is the amazing truth about who God is, and we've looked at it in ABF for week after week if you've been up, upstairs, is that although God is a God of wrath, and although God is a God of justice, and he must see justice done on the sin of the earth, we also see that he is kind. He shows restraint. He is patient. And that kindness, that love, that loving kindness, that under, unconditional love that says, you know, even though I need to punish your sin, I'm going to show restraint and I'm going to show my love. I'm going to be kind for what purpose? To lead us to repentance so that we don't have to be destroyed because of his wrath, but instead we can repent and turn away from our sinful life and live for him. And once again, the accessible creator now comes as a God of kindness and a God who is patient with us. Thank goodness he's patient with us. If he wasn't, we'd have no hope. How many times, even sitting here today as Christians, do we do things that we know are disappointing to God, and yet he has patience with us time and time again? <clears throat> and so we see God as a God of kindness and patience here as well, not only justice. And finally, you're actually going to turn a few chapters all the way back to Romans chapter, or all the way forward to Romans chapter 11. Romans chapter 11, verses 33 through 36. This is right at the end of Paul's uh, 
exposition of all that God has done and through the gospel, and he's about to jump into chapter 12, where a Christian life and living is all talked about. And what does he say? He wants to close it with some ideas about who God is. Because everything we believe and everything we do has to be founded in who he is. And starting in verse 33 of chapter 11, this is what we read. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and untraceable are his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor or who has ever first given him that has to be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. As we look at who God is, this is a hymn of praise to him. He is a wise God. And you know what? The interesting thing is he knows... Shame on us for ever doubting him. God is ultimately wise and knows everything he's doing. We have no right to ask him why he does what he does. Because God is doing what he is doing and he knows everything. He is all wise. It says we are, his judgments are unsearchable. His ways are, are, are untraceable. We can't figure him out. And we're not going to figure him out completely. We can try our whole lives and we should try our whole lives to understand who God is. But he is so great and so powerful and so awesome that we will never have a full grasp on who he is or what he does. But yet we can have faith that he is doing what is right. We can have faith that he is doing what is right. So he is wise and he knows. And then we read that for from him and through him and to him are all things. Everything consists because of God. Not only is he a creator, but he's a sustainer. He sustains the world. Everything that happens to us, he is in control. He is the sovereign God. And sometimes that's even tough for us to understand that God is overseeing everything and he is sovereign over it all. And do we truly trust that? See, so God is a God of wrath. He's a God of judgment. He's also a God of mercy and love and kindness. He's a God that knows everything. He's a God that we will never completely understand. And he is a God that everything in this world and everything that you are consists in him and him alone. Where this should get us to a point of realizing is exactly what Jared was talking about in ABF, that we have nowhere to be except on our face. We are nothing. We are lowly. We are nothing compared to God, and we need to submit to him because he is the God who will never be completely understood, the God who is just and yet merciful, the God who is wrathful and yet loving, the God who is holy in all his ways, even when we don't understand it. And today, I want us to remember that. Maybe you've heard that before. I want you to remember that. Call it to your mind daily, who God is. Maybe today is the first time you even have stepped into church and you're trying to figure out who God is. Well, this is who God is. Everything and anything that you can think of is, it's him. He has directed everything, okay? And he is in control, he is sovereign, and he is the perfect being. You will never know another, a perfect person except Jesus, except God, except him. And, and we need to understand that. Before we understand anything else about the gospel, we need to understand who he is. But that does lead us to our next point. So we see who God is, and this is just, I'll be honest with you, this is just a small survey, Read the whole Bible, and you'll see who God is, okay? There's so much more, and we could spend hours and hours and hours just pouring over the Scripture and saying, this is who God is, and I would encourage you to do that. But we'll never completely understand him. And next, in the gospel message, as we're talking about the gospel message, we need to know who man is. And this is where the gospel really becomes the gospel, because remember, gospel really means good news. The good news of Jesus Christ is what we're talking about, but... Why do we need good news? Well, when we look at who man is, then we'll understand why we need good news. Because everything else is bad news. Um, Back to Romans chapter 1. 
And we already looked at this, and this is going to kind of be a little bit of a repeat, but Romans chapter 1, um, 25. <clears throat> Romans 1, 25, it says this, They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served something created instead of the Creator who is blessed forever. And then we see also in the same chapter, verses 29 through 31, they are all filled with unrighteousness, evil, greed, and wickedness. They are all full of envy, murder, disputes, deceit, and malice. They are gossips. They are slanderers, God-haters, arrogant, proud, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, and unmerciful. Though they all know full well God's just sentence that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only, not only do them, but also applaud others who practice them. But then as you go on, and what you see in chapter 2 following that, is that God says, look, you are no different than them. So this is what we need to understand about Romans chapter 1. All mankind is sinful to the point that we have completely and utterly turned our backs on God. We have said our sin is more important. And what is sin? If you won't know what sin is, it's one simple thing. It's saying, God, you know what? I know what you want, but I'm going to do things my way. I'm going to be selfish, and I'm going to do everything that matters that benefits me. I don't care about you. I don't care about anybody else. I only care about myself. That is sin, and we've all been there. And that leads us to all these things that we just listed. We could look at each one. But all these things that we listed, these sins, we are totally depraved. In other words, there is no hope. We are sinful beyond, beyond hope. We are sinful. And, and yet God is going to show us that there is good news. The bad news is that we are sinful, and as a result, it talks about death here, and we'll look at that again in a minute. But we are destined to separation from God forever, and yet we're going to have a way out of that. That's good news, because otherwise it's just bad news. Bad news is that we're sinners, and we're going to have to spend forever in hell separated from a God who created us. That is the bad news. So we need to get to the good news, the gospel. But we need to understand ourselves a little bit more first. If you want to turn over to Romans chapter 3, we see more of this. This is a theme that comes up time and time again throughout Scripture. Romans chapter 3, verses 9 through 12, and then also verse 23, and you know that one. But let's look at uh, chapter 3, verses 9 through 12. What then? Are we any better? Not at all, for we have previously charged that both Jews and Gentiles are all under sin, as it is written. There is none righteous, not even one. There is none who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. Together they have become useless. There is no one who does good. There is not even one. And he continues to talk about that. And then also, as we continue in that chapter, the simple statement comes out in verse 23. For all have sinned and, let the sh- and fall short of the glory of of God. We just talked about who God is, the glory of God and all that he is, and our sin has separated us from God. It says earlier in this chapter, in chapter 3, that there is none righteous. There is no one good enough for God. There is no one good enough. We have no hope. We have gone astray. In other words, we've run away from our creator. We've run away from the creator that loves us, that is just, and all those things we just looked at. We've run away from him. Humans have ran away from God, and they have just been dispersed. And as a result, we've all sinned. Every single one of us have sinned. And as we sin, as we say, God, I want to do things my way and not your way, when we do that, we are separated from God. We are separated from Him, and unless He did something about it, we would be destined to a future of separation from Him, which we'll see in the next few verses that we're going to look at. Uh, We see that we are destined towards that death that comes as a result of sin. 
Romans chapter 4. We move over one chapter and we continue to see this theme. Chapter 4, verses 4 through 5. And see, this is, this is where it really gets scary. Okay, so we've just seen how bad everything is. That we're all sinners and we deserve death, right? That's what it says. That all who have done these things deserve death. That's separation from God forever. And we deserve all that. And that's really, really, really bad news. But the news gets worse. The news gets worse in Romans 4, 4 through 5. And what it says is, Now to the one who works, pay is not considered a gift, but something owed. But to the one who does not work, but believes on him who declares righteous the ungodly, his faith is credited for righteousness. Okay, so what do we see here? Well, pretty simple. There is absolutely nothing we can do to remedy our sin problem. It's not, see, the world would tell us that if you sin enough, all you got to do is be good enough. And if you do the, all the right things, then it'll make up for all the wrong things. Right? That's what, I mean, that's what we believe. I mean, if we have a, if we have a fight with our spouse, we think, okay, well, I just, you know, how many guys have gone and gotten flowers and candy for their wife because they yelled at their wife in the morning and they're at work and they're like, oh, I got to make up for it. I'm going to buy some flowers. I'm going to buy some candy. That doesn't usually work, guys, I don't think. If it does for you, then you've got, that's awesome. So, but uh, <clears throat> you can't erase everything bad just because you do something good. It's a good thing to do, but it doesn't erase the bad. And that's what so many people try to do. And what the scripture tells us is, you know what, it's only faith. It's only belief. It's only by falling upon Christ that you can be saved. You can't do anything about it. And the scripture are full of verses about this. We've got Ephesians 2, 8, 9, Titus 3, 5. There's so many more scriptures we could go to that talk about the fact that we have no ability in and of ourselves at all to work out our salvation. To be saved from this separation from God that we are destined to, we can't do anything about it. It is not in our power to be able to do anything about it. It is no works, no good, no amount of good can save us. And that is vitally important that we see. Romans 5.12. This is where it all kind of comes around. Romans 5.12. This is kind of a summary statement. A summary statement in 5.12 says this, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man... And death through sin, in this way, death spread to all men because all sinned. This, this encapsulates it all. We see who God is, now we need to understand who we are. And who are we? We are sinners that have no hope, that have no power, that are completely separate from God, that have no hope and no chance of doing anything about it, and as a result, since we've all sinned from the time that Adam sinned till now, we've all sinned with the exception of Jesus Christ. Because we've all sinned, that sin has separated us from God and death has spread to the whole world. You are not immune from sin. You are not immune from death and separation from God. Every single person who's ever lived is a sinner and is also deserving and headed towards hell there's no immunity to this and we see this as true through the book of romans okay so now we've looked at all the bad news right there's sin we can't do anything about it we're headed towards hell man this is an encouraging message awesome okay but this is where the gospel comes in the good news this is why it is good news because there's so much bad news that now we have a chance to look at the good news, and that's what we're going to do. What Christ has done. That's the third thing. So who God is, what man, who man is, and then finally what Christ has done. This is the gospel message. We understand God, we understand our dilemma, and now we see the remedy. 
And that's Jesus Christ himself and what he has done. Romans chapter 3, going back a couple chapters, and I told you we'd kind of be all over Romans here. Romans chapter 3, and right after verse 23 that says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, the bad news is given. In verses 24 and 25, this is what Paul writes as God is inspiring him to write it. And it says this, They are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. God presented him as a propitiation through the faith in his blood to demonstrate his righteousness because in his restraint, God passed over the sins previously committed. Well, what is this verse telling us? Well, there's some pretty simple truth here, but it's profound truth. And that is that even though we've all sinned, we've all fallen short of God's glory. We can't get there. Yet it says we are justified freely by grace. And this is the one point that I think so many of us Christians forget. Once again, that this is by grace and grace alone, that God gave Jesus to save us from our sins. There was nothing that we did to deserve that. We did not deserve Christ to come. We did not deserve God's grace. He shows us grace, and it didn't just stop when we've accepted Christ, but it continues daily. And it says, because of his grace, he will freely justify us by being redeemed in Jesus Christ. Then it uses this big word, propitiation. The idea that Jesus, through his blood, took the punishment that we deserved. All that sin that deserved death, Jesus takes that death on the cross. At one point says, God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because God has turned his back because of all the sin that has been laid upon his son. We see that in Jesus himself, God in the flesh, come down to earth took that pain and that death for you and for me and for all of us. And that is the gospel, that someone took our punishment, and that someone was Jesus Christ. And as a result, we can be justified freely. See, that was a free gift. Justified means we can be made righteous, which we'll look at as we go to Romans chapter 5 in just a minute. That we can be made righteous in the eyes of God. That we are no longer sinners deserving of death, but yet we're seen as righteous that are deserving of spending eternal life with Jesus Christ and with God our Father, with the creator of the universe. We can spend eternity with him if, because Jesus gave his life for us. It talks about his blood here. It's not to be gross to talk about blood, but blood is what redeemed us. Jesus' death redeems us from sin. That is the good news. That is the gospel. Romans chapter 5 continues this and tells us even more. Romans chapter 5 verses 6 through 9 is where we'll start. And this is, oh, I love this passage. This passage has got to be one of my favorite. I know you're not supposed to have a favorite passage in Scripture, but this is it. Okay. Um, For while we were still helpless at the appointed moment, this is verse 6 of chapter 5, Christ died for the ungodly. For rarely will someone die for a just person, though for a good person perhaps someone might even dare to die. But God proves his own love towards us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, since we now have been declared righteous by his blood, we will be saved through him from wrath. That is the gospel right there. That is good news. That, look... How many of us would even die for a good person and yet God dies, Jesus dies for the helpless and Jesus dies for the ungodly. Jesus dies for sinners. We don't have to deserve his death. We don't have to work for his death. He did it because of his great love towards us. Remember, he's a God of kindness. 
and love and mercy. And this is where we see it. Through the person of Jesus Christ, God himself in the flesh comes down to earth, gives his life, and it says God proves his love towards us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And we've been declared righteous once again by his blood. Because he died, God can look at us and say, you are righteous enough to join me forever. Without Christ, that would never be able to happen. And yet Christ took our punishment so that we could be seen as righteous. It continues on in chapter 5 as we go to verses 19 through 21. 19 through 21 says this, For just as through one man's disobedience, and that's talking about Adam, the many were made sinners, so also through one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. Adam caused everyone to be sin, to have sin, because he sinned and it spread to everybody. We looked at that. But Jesus, a righteous act of obedience, worship to God, obedience, his death is what allows us to be righteous. What is righteousness? Well, it's to, be, it's to be seen as innocent. It's going into a court of law and it's being guilty of a whole lot of things that you've done wrong and have somebody come up and say, you know what, I'm going to take all the punishment for all of this and I'm going to, I'm going to take the blame, really. I'm going to take the blame for all this bad stuff that's happened so that they can go free. And that's what Jesus has done for us. He's taken the blame, he's taken the sin, he's taken all of that, and he's put it on himself and he died for us. That is the truth of the gospel. That is the truth. So Romans 6.23, Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death. We've already looked at that. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. If we want eternal life, there's no other way. You can go out through all scripture and you'll see this time and time again. Jesus is the only way to experience God forever. The God who created us, the God who sustains us, the God who is everything. He wants a relationship. He wants us to be with him. And the only way that that can happen is through Jesus Christ. It's through the gift of his son who came to die in our place so that we could be together with God forever because we are now seen as righteous. But the good news gets better. Just like the bad news got worse, the good news gets better because then we move on to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verse 34. Romans chapter 8, verse 34. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is the one who died, but even more has been raised. He also is at the right hand of God and intercedes for us. Wait a minute. God, see, Jesus, God sends Jesus. He dies for our sin, but it didn't stop there. He didn't die and then it's all over with because... That wouldn't have proved that he had complete power over sin and death. And it wouldn't give us a whole lot of hope that we were serving a dead God. That wouldn't make any sense. So what happens is the greatest miracle that ever happens. And that is that God himself is raised from the dead. That Jesus rises from the dead. Three days later, we're going to be celebrating it in a month for Easter. But Jesus didn't just stay dead. He paid the punishment for our sin. He's buried for three days. He rises again and says, sin and death have no more power over people. They have no more power. I have come to take all of that away. And that's what he's done. And he rises again. And not only does he rise again, but he goes up to heaven. He's sitting next to God. He's waiting for us. He's watching over us. He is interceding for us. He is pleading to God to say, remember what I did. When God looks at us and says, man, they're really messing up. And Jesus is there to say, but remember what I did. I gave my life. I gave everything for them. I gave everything. And please accept them as righteous. And I've... And he's there interceding for us at the right hand of God. He has risen again, and he is there on our behalf. This is the gospel. 
There's so much bad news in this world and there's so much bad news in scripture that we are sinners destined for nothing more than death and destruction and separation from God and yet God says, wait a minute, I love you enough that I'm going to give you good news. I'm going to give you the gospel and that is that my son, Jesus Christ, came to this earth, lived a perfect life, died so that you don't have to, rose again to prove that sin and death had no more power and now is waiting for you as he intercedes for each and every one of us who has accepted Christ as our Savior. That is the gospel. Don't forget it. Every day, rehearse this to yourself because it's amazing. It is the greatest thing, the greatest story, the greatest truth ever known to man. Don't forget it and don't trivialize it either. So that is the gospel. We reviewed the gospel. That took most of our time. We've got a few more verses to look at. And I want to look at how to respond to the gospel. Because if we just talk about what the gospel is, that leaves us in a place. Because we could, we could misunderstand this and say, well, since Jesus came and died, that means everybody's saved and everybody's going to heaven. That's not the, tr- that's not the case. Actually, what the Bible says, there's some things that we do. Not do in the sense of works, but there's faith that we have to have. Faith is not a work. Faith is simply believing in a free gift. It's accepting a free gift. It doesn't take any work for me on Christmas morning to, to uh, accept a gift. Except maybe unwrap it. But let's say it's an unwrapped gift. If my wife gives me a gift, I just have to open up my hands. She can put it there. I don't have to do anything to receive it. It's my gift. And that's what Jesus has done. He's given us a gift of his death. And all we have to do is receive it through faith. And say, here I, here I am, Lord. I'm ready to take it. And that's what he asks us to do. And how does that look? Well, we've looked at time and time again throughout these verses. Faith is mentioned over and over and over again. And it's about faith. It's about believing. Um, and we'll look at that in just a minute. But let's look at Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10, uh, verses 9 through 13. Romans chapter 10. And you'll notice that these two verses are kind of out of order. And that might bother some of you who like to stay in order. Um, but there's a reason for it. We'll get there. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 13. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 13. Common verses you may have heard before, but it's so powerful. And starting a little bit before verse 9 starts, it says this. This is the message of faith that we proclaim, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth one confesses, resulting in salvation. Here we go. So what is it that God expects? How do we respond to the good news we just heard about? Because we have to have a response, right? If we just sat there, there it, it, wouldn't, it would cease being good news if it's not actualized. So we need to respond to the good news that God has given us. And how do we do that? Well, we confess and we believe. We confess with our mouth and say, yes, Lord, I am ready to follow you. I am ready to believe in everything that you've said. And then we believe in our hearts that, that God raised him from the dead. It's not just about just the resurrection. It's about believing in everything that Jesus did and believing. And here's the deal. When the Bible says believe, he doesn't, it doesn't mean believe like we believe, we'd say, oh, I believe the Bills are going to win this year. Okay? First of all, that's a terrible belief. But besides that, <laughs> this belief is completely different though. See, when the world says believe, it's like, well, yeah, it might happen. We're hoping it happens. But no, see, believe is so different than that when we're talking about it from Scripture. Believe is the fact that I believe so much in what I'm saying that, I, that my life will back it up. It's similar to this. I hate flying in airplanes. Just a few months ago, we went down to Disney. It was a great trip, but the worst part was definitely the plane trip. I hate planes. Can't stand them. Would rather walk to Disney than fly to Disney, but the rest of my family wouldn't have that. So, um, but here's the deal, though. I looked at that plane, and I came to a point where I said, I don't want to go on that plane, but you know what? As I thought about it, 
and I looked at all the statistics. Okay, not that many people actually die in plane crashes. Here's the deal. That plane is going to fly from Buffalo, New York to Orlando, Florida, and I believe that that's going to happen. But you know what I had to do in order to show that I really believed? I had to get on the plane. And I did. I got on the plane. It flew me there. It flew me back. I'm still here. Okay, so, but, but see, that's, that's belief, right? It's, it's not just saying that we believe and say, oh, yeah. If I would have said, you know, that, I think that plane actually can fly. But I said, but you know what, family? I'm going to stay behind. I want to see first. You guys go ahead, and I'll see if it flies. And then maybe I'll take the next one. That's, that's not belief, right? I mean, we need to, I mean, getting in the plane and being willing to lift off, that is believing that plane can really fly. But in a so much deeper way, when we're talking about believing in Jesus, it's not about just saying, well, yeah, I hope Jesus is real. No, 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 no. It's saying Jesus has done all of this for me, and I believe in it so much that I'm going to give my life to it. I'm going to give my life to Christ and I'm going to live for him, and I'm going to follow him, and everything I do is going to bleed Jesus. That is the gospel. That is responding to the gospel. It's confessing to those around us. It's believing with our heart completely. And in, in response to that, going back to Romans chapter 6, and this is kind of why we save this to last, Romans chapter 6, and we see what salvation, and this is what we just talked about. When you call out to God, and you believe in Him, and you believe in Christ, and you call out to Him, and you confess, you agree that He is Lord, and you agree that you're going to live for Him, and that you have complete and utter faith in Him, when you trust Him with your life, you are being saved. You are, that is salvation. If you've heard that word before, that's salvation. We are saved from the wrath of God. We are saved from hell. We are saved from separation, and we are saved to him as well. We're saved to be with him. And this is the salvation we experience. And in chapter 6 of Romans, we talk about this a little bit more, and this is how it looks. So we've accepted Christ, and when we do this, this is how our life should reflect it. What should we say then? Should we continue in sin in order that grace may multiply? Absolutely not. For how can we who died to sin still live in it? Or are you unaware that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in newness of life. For we have been joined with him in the likeness of his death. We will certainly also be in the likeness of his resurrection. And then it goes on and talks about how the old self is is crucified and the new self takes place. Um, And uh, just to summarize it, and then the, the verse 14 says this, For sin will not rule over you because you are not under the law but under grace. We've accepted Jesus Christ and this is what it looks like. It's a new life. And you say, wow, that is good news. Because our lives are destined for nothing. And yet we have a new life. And that new life, what is it characterized by? It's by living a life in which I just talked about, that we believe in Jesus so much that our whole life reflects it. That everything we do flows out of Jesus Christ and his sacrifice for us. It doesn't flow out of our effort. It doesn't flow out of just blanket book theology, but it flows out of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we live a new life, that we walk away from sin because sin will have no other power over us because now we are in Christ. See, sin wants to destroy and take us away from God, and Christ wants to give life and bring us towards God, and and that's the opportunity we have by accepting Jesus as our Savior, by calling out to him as Lord, by believing in everything he is, and then what we see is after that happens, we will have a new life. The Theological word for this is repentance. It's turning away from our old life, turning towards our new life. It's believing so much that we will stop saying, God, I'm going to live my way, and instead I'm going to live your way. Not perfection, 
We're still going to make mistakes. But that's why we go back to say that there's grace. Even when we make mistakes now, God, remember, we talked about it. Jesus is up in heaven and he's saying, yeah, I know he just messed up, but remember what I did for him. He says that daily for me and I'm sure probably daily for you because Jesus saved us through his blood, through his death. And that blood that he shed for us should wash us so clean that we live a new life. And that is exactly what scripture preaches. That's exactly what scripture says. And finally, I want to end with this. And this is probably a good challenge point for all of us here who have accepted Jesus, who have accepted the gospel. And you know what? I hope by today, that pop quiz that we had, I hope that you were able to answer that. But maybe if you weren't, because you're like, well, I don't know. And maybe you included some of it, but not all of it. We need to know the gospel so that we can not only have it for ourselves, because it's not meant to be hoarded. It is meant to be shared. There was a movie I used to watch when I was a teenager. It was our favorite youth group movie. And this was in probably the late 90s, and this movie was made in the late 70s. It was one of those real cheesy movies. But we loved it as a youth group, and it was called The Music Box. If you've never seen The Music Box, you should look it up because it's great. But uh, this guy has this music box that plays this beautiful music, and the whole movie is about how he tries to keep it from everybody because he doesn't want anybody to... Uh, to hear the same music that he's able to hear. And this box was given to him by an angel and he's holding it on and he, he's, he listens to it in private and never listens. And then finally at the end of the movie, the angel comes to him and he's like, look, I gave you that box not so you could hoard it, but so you could share it. And that's exactly what the gospel is. The gospel is not for us to hoard to ourselves and say, yes, Lord, thank you for saving me. Okay, let's move on. No, this is, it's not meant to be hoarded. It's the exact opposite, actually. You look through scripture and we're supposed to share this message, share the gospel message. You say, well, okay, I see that. Romans tells us exactly what we need to be doing. Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10, as as he's just talked about all the gospel and what it means and how it looks, and it's just done saying we need to confess God is Lord, that Christ is Lord. We need to uh, believe that he has risen from the dead. And then in verse 14 of chapter 10, it says this. But how can they call on him and whom they have not believed? And how can they believe without hearing about him? And how can they hear without a preacher? And how can they preach unless they're sent? As it is written, how welcome are the feet of those who announce the gospel of good things. But all did not obey the gospel, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? So faith comes from what is heard, and what is heard comes through the message about Christ. What is this saying? What's saying there are people that need to hear the gospel. And they need a preacher to preach it to them. And what are we preaching? We're preaching the message of Christ. That's what it says in verse 17. And it says, How welcome or blessed are the feet of those who announce the gospel of good things. God wants to bless you with the opportunity to share what you've already experienced with those around you. And I want to be brutally honest with you this morning. As a pastor, this is where I have failed so many times. You think, oh, you're a pastor, you went to Bible school, of course you're sharing the gospel with everybody you see. (laughs) No. I'm scared just like the rest of you. For whatever reason, it doesn't even make sense. I've been saved by the greatest, I've been saved by Jesus Christ, I've been saved through this greatest story ever told through the gospel, and yet when it comes to having an opportunity to share it, I crawl into a little ball, and I hide away. Why is it? I don't know. It's because Satan is trying to keep this message from being spread, but yet... We are called, right here, we are called to share the message of the gospel with the world around us. Is that a friend? Is that a family member? Is that a co-worker? Or you know what, is it even maybe a stranger? Everybody we look at, we should look at as somebody who needs to hear the gospel. Now I am not saying 
that you should walk around with a sandwich board with the gospel on you all the time. That doesn't usually work. But what I am saying is that you should be so filled with the gospel, that you should be living so much out of the gospel, that any interaction you have with other people will show parts of the gospel, if not the whole thing. There may be opportunities where you will have to take somebody who is a complete atheist, and you will live a life and be able to speak a message of the gospel that may only get them to the point where they say, well, maybe there is a God. Well, you know what? Maybe they didn't get saved, but you know what? The gospel is making a change in them. They're, they're coming along the spectrum, right? I mean, we can't expect to see every time we share our faith that people are going to come to Christ. They're going to say, oh, I accept the gospel. I was just waiting for you to say it. No, that's probably, that's probably not going to happen. But you know what? That might happen. You might be the one that's able to, to reap that harvest, but maybe you're just one that's going to plant a seed. But that doesn't give us reason to say, well, I've failed. I've, you know, I've shared my, my, the gospel. I've shared my testimony and the gospel like you know, 20 times, and none of them have come to Christ. I'm a total failure, and obviously I'm not gifted in evangelism, so I'm going to be done. No. You don't know where those 20 people, what's going to happen 20 years from now. Maybe what the seed that you planted will actually come to fruition 20 years before, later, and you won't even ever hear about it. But we are not called to get results. We are called to share. We are called to preach the gospel. We're not called to save people. That's God's work, which is the most incredible thing to know, that God is the one who saves. God is the one who works. We are simply an instrument, a tool to be able to share that. And as I said earlier, I, I have to publicly confess that I have not done this the way that I should. And I run away from opportunities, and I'm ashamed of that. And I've asked forgiveness, and I've prayed about it, and I'm praying that when I get opportunities, and I know God's going to give them to me because that's what he likes to do, that I will actually follow through, and we will, we will be a people. I will be a person. You will be a people that will be preaching the gospel because it is the greatest thing ever. It is the best news ever, and so many times we just come into church, and we sing together, and we talk with each other, and that's all good. We have a good program. We have this. We have that. We do that. That's all good stuff. But if it's not based in the gospel, it's nothing. Do you know the gospel? Can you tell the gospel? Can you, do you share the gospel? And that's the questions that I want everybody to ask. Are we being faithful to the gospel that we've been given? Um, I want to read this real quick. I wrote on the back. I tried to do this in, in about two minutes because I wanted to see if I could write out the gospel. After, but I'll give you, here's the deal. This was after I did the sermon, so I cheated. But, um, <laughs> so I want to sum this up. And this isn't, listen, there is no canned way of sharing the gospel. I know there's people out there that say if you use this track or if you use uh, this method or if you use these verses. or if you... Look, some of those things can be very helpful and I would encourage you to look into those things. But the gospel is not narrowed down to just a formula. The gospel is not narrowed down just into a step-by-step process. The gospel is much larger than that. So what I'm going to say, this is not something that you need to write down. In every... Okay, every time that I share the gospel, this is what I need to say. No, but this is what... In a nutshell, I think that the most important things that we need to get across when we share the gospel with each other and with, the, with people who don't know the gospel, and that is this. The perfect and holy God who created the world, including all of man, is perfect. And in order to show his great power and wisdom, he created us. But man chose to turn our backs on God's ways and live for ourselves. And so, there, therefore, we sinned against God and have offended the very God who created us. Being holy and just... And a God of wrath, he must punish us for our sin. This is punishment that is both physical death as well as separation from him forever in hell because he cannot tolerate sin and evil. We can do nothing to earn God's favor and do nothing to save us from this punishment. 
However, since God is also merciful, kind, and loving, he provided a way for us to be saved from his wrath while still serving justice for sin. He did this through sending his son, Jesus Christ, to take the punishment we deserved on himself by dying on the cross. Being both God and man, Jesus was perfect and was able to take our sin on himself and purify us from our sin, even though we didn't deserve it. After his death, Jesus rose from the dead to prove that he has power over sin and death and that he has the right to make sinful people righteous in the eyes of God. In order to receive this gift of Christ's death death on our behalf to make us righteous, God simply asks us to truly believe in Jesus and what he has done, confess that Jesus is our Lord, and live a new life while we rely on him. If we do this, we can be saved from being separated from God and instead enjoy him forever. Like I said, it's not a formula. And I probably even missed a few things that you might include, and that's great. But we need to know and be ready when someone comes to us, when we have an opportunity to share the gospel, that first of all, we live the gospel out. But second of all, we also will be able to speak of the gospel. In just a few minutes, Jared's going to come back up, and he's going to sing one more song. And uh, it's going to be one of uh, his originals. Um, and I'm not even sure which one it's going to be, to be honest with you. I told him whatever. <laughs> And I believe God's going to lead. So he's going to sing one last song. And here's what I'm going to do. And I know this is different. And I, I, another debate I had this morning, actually, I was in the shower. and trying to figure out if I was going to do this. But um, I, we just talked about the gospel for a long time. We talked about how to respond to the gospel. And we talked about how to share the gospel. As Jared sings this last song, I want to do something. And I know we don't do this often. And there's nothing special or magic about this at all. But if today you need to know Jesus and you want to know him better, you want, maybe it's you need to know him for the first time and you've heard the gospel maybe many times you've never accepted it or this is the first time you've heard the gospel and you want to accept Jesus as your savior and you want to start a life with him. As Jared sings this song, please come forward. And that's, come forward right up here. And I'd love to talk with you and pray with you. This is not about magic and if you come forward then all of a sudden everything's going to be okay. This is about if you feel that you need to respond to the gospel because the Holy Spirit is telling that you need to respond today to the gospel and that you need to accept Jesus because you know you're a sinner and you know you have no hope other than Jesus Christ, his death, his resurrection and following him. If that's the only thing that you know that you can, that can solve, which it is the only thing that can solve this world's problems, then come forward and make that profession and talk about it. But it's not just for those who haven't heard the gospel. Maybe today, if there's a reason that the gospel is not real to you in your life, you're not living it out, you're not preaching it, I don't know what it is, that's between you and God. And you just want to come up and pray. This is the time to do it. I'm not going to have Jared play the, the song for 20 minutes while we beg you to come forward, okay? This is if God has been working in your heart and you want to respond to the gospel in whatever way it is, I'll be up front and just come and pray with me. I would love to do that. And if nobody comes, that's fine. <laughs> but if a lot of people come, that's great, whatever. Whatever God leads. Okay, and that's what we're going to do as Jared sings his final song. You don't know a thing about me Though my songs make you think that you do You don't know a thing about me So let me give you a clue Cause 
I've been drunk and I've been sober When I call out His holy name I once was blind, I was a prisoner But I am redeemed It's all you need to know about me I stood behind the mighty pulpit And didn't practice what I preach And I spent so much time down on my I've been drunk and I've been sober When I called out His holy name Cause I was blind and been a prisoner But I am redeemed That's all you need You know are you wasting your time on me? Wasting your blood on me? We'll see. He's not wasting eternity. He's not wasting his blood on me. I see you. But it's all over me, holding me up. Oh, yeah. I see your blood, it's all over me, holding me up. Mm. Amazing grace. Cause I once was lost, but now I'm found. I'm blind, but now I see. Cause I've been drunk and I've been sober. When I call out His holy name. I was lost, I was a prisoner, but I am redeemed. That's all you need to know about me. Scriptures we leave. It's also in the book of Romans. It's the end of Romans, and it says this. Now to him who has the power to strengthen you according to my gospel, 
and the proclamation of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the sacred secret, kept silent for long ages, but now has been revealed and made known through the prophetic scriptures, according to the command of the eternal God, to advance the obedience of faith among all nations, to the only wise God, through Jesus Christ, to him be glory forever. Amen. With that, we'll dismiss, and thank you, and God bless.